0: Hey, friends and fans, this is Jeffrey Mark, this is Hitting the Mark, and this time on Hitting the Mark, we're talking about one of the funniest men in the world, Jack uh, Jack was married for a long time to the mother of his children. They separated. They did not live together the last, oh gosh, 15, 16, 17 years that I knew Jack. But... She was still legally his wife. Jack had other women. And yes, Jeff, I know you said you two had a... Yeah, yeah, I know. Concurrently. That seems to be a theme in my life. My meeting men who are basically straight, who are romancing women, and at the same time having a private relationship with me. Uh... In fact, Jack was dating, when I first met him, this gorgeous former Playboy centerfold, who uh, eventually Jack was keeping. Jack was not keeping, paying her rent, got her into a nice apartment, paid her rent for her, took her out to nice meals, made sure she had a working car. He, He wasn't buying her for coats and diamonds. He was just making sure that she lived comfortably. And one of the saddest days of my life, I was in Europe performing, and Jack was admitted to the hospital with water on the brain. It was serious. And I got a hold of, I think, Brian, long distance to make sure he was okay. What I did not know until I came home from Europe was that his wife, still his legal wife, brought in an attorney because Jack was unconscious to get power of attorney. And then went through all of his finances and found out how much money he'd spent on this. Now she claimed to me that it was a half million dollars, that Jack was squandering the family money. Uh, It was more like $50,000, which is still a lot of money, but it was his money. He wasn't dead, he was still alive. He'd earned it. His wife did not seem to have much of a job of her own. She spent most of her year in Central America, away from everybody. His kids had their own jobs. But she went to the woman and told her to get out, threw her out of the apartment, took back the car, and the woman committed suicide. Jack gets home from the hospital. I get the call hey, dad's coming home today. Go see him. No one told me. So there I am in Jack's living room. His first thought, I wonder how she is. She didn't come see me in the hospital. I haven't heard from her. I had to tell Jack. Mm. Wow. wow. Cowards, I tell you, cowards. Um, he cried. He was so upset because he felt that in some way it was his fault. If he'd protected her, better, if he'd set up an account for her that nobody else could touch, if he'd done this, I said, Jack, you can't plan for your having water on the brain, And you can't plan on a woman who was basically your ex-wife rifling through your papers and your money. You did the best you could. She wasn't your girlfriend. You were seeing other people. She was seeing other people. But you cared for her. And you cared for her well. And bad news does not make everybody commit suicide. No, I won't tell you the name of the lady. It's not important. I knew her. We had dinner together, the three of us. We were at various places together. I didn't like her. I didn't like her, not because I was jealous, but because I didn't like the way she treated Jack. Get me this. Get me that. It's cold. I want to leave. Where's the car? You're keeping me waiting. That kind of bitchiness. You're talking to the sweetest man in the whole world. Really, Jack Riley was one of the sweetest human beings I've ever known. But women treated him like that. And I don't know I really don't. He was a brilliant man, a funny man, a handsome man, a sensual man. I cannot tell you what he was like in bed with women. I have to assume he made them happy. They kept coming back. And a generous man. I, I, it's uh, other than these these women he dated and his ex wife, Fish, I'd never heard of that word of Jack, anybody other than what a sweet man, what a talented man. The NS really got to him. That water on the brain thing really was the beginning of the end. It became obvious to me that Jack was failing, he was falling a lot I was coming in from the desert, because so I'd moved to the California desert. For everything. So I was coming in three, every three or four days to take care of Jack. We'd go to the theater, we'd go to dinner, we'd go to your Army's Army, we'd, we'd go to a nightclub together, or just to be together, just to hang out with him. And it became obvious there was no food in the refrigerator. Brian moved in with him, and that wasn't good for Jack because Brian wanted to have fun. Brian was in his 20s, he wanted to have his friends around, he wanted to have parties. So now the refrigerator was full of beer but no food for Jack. The, I, I would get phone calls from Jack at 2 o'clock in the morning. Jeff, there's 50 people in my house. I don't know who any of them are. It frightened him. Brian wasn't doing it on purpose. Brian was in his 20s, having a good time. But it wasn't good for Jack. I begged the family, please put up the guardrails. Let him have something to grandma on um, It's getting too much to get from his house to the street. It was like six steps you had to go down. It was gonna be too much to get into a car. I cannot tell you how many times I had to throw myself on the ground so he would fall on me and not the cement. And then I'd pick him up and put him in the car. It was getting that bad. I, I won't bore you with the things they could have done to make it better. They didn't want to do it. He'd squandered money already. They weren't going to spend the money, which I thought this is not right. Eventually. Eventually, they saw the light, and they hired two caregivers so that he had 24-hour day care. I guess his ex-wife, who was still married to him, found out about me on some level. Somehow, she figured it out. So one of the caregivers was giving orders not to let me in the house or let Jack talk to me on the phone. So the only time I could see him or talk to him was when the – other caregiver was there. Now I come in on a regular basis. I call him on a regular basis. It was harder and harder to have a phone conversation with him. His, his mind was starting to go. And the last time I went, he was awful. Just, just knock, knock, nobody's there. He could have a conversation, but Jack wasn't there. Was really upsetting and sad, and I I, I, gave him a hug and a kiss and left. And as I went out the front door, he turned to his caregiver loudly enough for me to hear him say, "Who was that guy who was just here? He seems awfully nice. I need to get to know him better." And I walked down and sat on the curb in front of his house and just cried. I knew I was never going to see him again. I was so upset when he died that I had to attend his memorial service in a wheelchair. I just couldn't function. I couldn't not go. I really didn't want to face his family. Um, I'm grateful that they listened to his last wishes. Jack wanted his memorial service to be immediate. You know, like the soonest you can book something after I die, I want to throw one last party for me. Uh, the kids were there, his wife was there. Many of our show business friends with the Bob Newhart was there. Um, I'm, I'm losing another name, the guy who co-created Get Smart with- uh, McHenry. Mel- Henry. Uh, Buck was there also in a wheelchair, so we were having jokes about having a wheelchair drag racing, <laughs> as Buck was already, ill. You know, uh, the wheelchair was temporary for me, but for Buck, it was full time at that point, point. and his wife came over and said, oh, so you're his little friend from the desert, and I ignored it, and I complimented her on doing exactly what Jack wanted, and she was like, oh. Like, like she was surprised I, I was nice and surprised that I knew what his wishes were. I said, of course, we talked about in detail what he wanted after he died. Said, None of you have called me to find out what it was, so I'm glad he told you. And I went away, and then Ryan came over to me and kissed me. And he said, look, I know truth here. I want you to know my father really loved you. Thank you for making the last part of his life so happy. Uh, Brian is a casting person at Fox Studios. You know, Bring a career of his own. His daughter, Nancy lives in New York. She's got a husband and a couple of kids. One of whom is named Riley. And I have no idea what happened to Jack since We have not spoken since Wow. Did Jack leave you anything? Um, Like um, any mementos that you look at every day? I have the only thing. I mean, I have gifts through the years, birthday gifts, Christmas gifts that Jack bought for me. Uh, But the only sentimental thing is um, a coffee cup. I'd come into L.A. I think we went to the theater, went to see a play somebody was in that we loved. And uh, I took him home, and I had to be home the next morning. So I didn't sleep over, or I didn't stay in L.A. It was very late at night, and he insisted on making me some fresh coffee And a cup. You take this with you, drink this coffee while you're driving home, you won't fall asleep. So I have, I call it my Jack Riley cup, and every <laughs> Saturday I have my coffee in my Jack Riley cup, and I have coffee with Jack. That's That's... The most precious thing that Jack gave me the memories. You know, the Friars Club because of Jack. Rami's army because of Jack. Uh, a lot of friendships because of Jack. Uh, the, the man was incredibly instrumental in making my career much larger. Someday, well, when my memoirs come out, and I tell some of these stories in greater detail, and I use the real words. You'll see who I thank for making my career what it is. My publicist, Colin Ball, Jack, Lucy Arnez, Steve Allen. Uh, I've been a very lucky guy. And when I when I say my prayers or I give my thanks or I make gratitude lists, uh, Jack is right out there. He really, really came along in my life uh, just at the right time for me. And it looks like because of his illness, just at the right time for me. Did you and Jack ever have any disagreements on anything that, uh, you know, you took a while to get over? No, never. never. There's nothing to disagree about. We, we were of the same mind about so many things. You know, I'm a talker. I love to talk things out. Uh, I'm a big believer in communication, that there's no reason to ever argue. As long as you're communicating well between the two, whoever the two of you are, there's no reason for raised voices and for feelings. There's no point in it. It doesn't solve anything. But Jack was another person who just things happened between us. We didn't, we didn't plan. You know, when Jack first started getting sick, and this happens with some people who have MS, he'd have just all of a sudden a wave of fatigue would roll over. him. I'd say, Jack, take me out. No, you're here. I want to see you. All right, I'll, I'll come in with you till you fall asleep. And I would, I'd crawl the bed with him and, and lie next to him and talk to him till he fell asleep. Well, eventually on one of these occasions, I fell asleep too. And we wake up sometimes hugging each other. There was no like discussion, it's just like, oh, this happened, cool. And, and we just went on with our day. So whatever happened between Jack and me, it happened organically, naturally, without any large discussions. Uh, I, I guess in my life, the, the most important relationships had been like that. Joel and I were like that. We did not, until we were well into middle age, really discuss the, the nuts and bolts of our relationship. Uh, and it was easy for us to say, I love you. It was the same with Jack. Jack had no problem telling me he loved me or my telling him I loved him. Um, The rest of it, we didn't discuss much unless we had to. Not that answered your question, well, but. I'm Cindy Verbalen. with Ray Carr and the show is Hitting the Mark with our star Jeffrey Mark.